Is anyone here a dual citizen? Anybody? Nick? What? What? U.S. and Britain. Okay. You're, I think you're our only one. We do have some folks in this congregation who would probably be U.S. and Canada, but I think they're gone today. Um, actually, I would suggest that those of us who have committed ourselves to follow Jesus are all dual citizens. Most of us here are citizens of the United States. We're, just, we're citizens of this country where we live. I love this country. I'm proud to be its citizen. This is my home. This is where I belong. There's a lot I like to celebrate about this country. Not everything, but there is much. But I also belong to God. I'm a citizen of God's kingdom. The first Christians often greeted one another with the statement, Jesus is Lord. This was a statement about their allegiance and their identity. It was a political statement. The usual greeting in their world or statement in their world was, Caesar is Lord. For these first Christians, saying Jesus is Lord meant that Jesus, rather than Caesar, commanded their first loyalty. Jesus, rather than Caesar, was the one whose teachings they would follow, the one who determined their actions and their values, the one who was their ultimate leader, the one to whom they owed allegiance. Now, it's a long-term project to sort out what it means for us to be dual citizens, to live as citizens of God's kingdom for whom Jesus is Lord, while at the same time living as citizens of our country. It's a project that has taken people's whole lives, that's been the subject of many hours of discussion, and that's generated many stacks of books. And it's much too big to unpack here today. In fact, it's something that we reflect on, whether we do it consciously or not, and that we express every time we come together on Sunday to worship. Jim Wallace has said that worship is the primary political act. Today we're at the time of year where our country celebrates its beginnings, and we have fireworks and we have parades and we have various ways in which our communities are expressing allegiance and identity and citizenship. So it's fitting that today we will celebrate our allegiance and express our identity as citizens of God's kingdom in our singing. Several of our brothers and sisters are going to share songs with us and say something about them that for them express the center of their faith, their loyalty, their allegiance, their identity. And we'll pledge allegiance by singing together. Our scripture reading today is taken from the book of Colossians. It's a passage in which Paul describes Jesus' lordship over all of creation and calls the church to live under this lordship. And following the reading, we are going to sing a song that I chose, 
My hope is built on nothing less. It's a hymn that for me is the ultimate political statement of who Jesus is for me. A hymn that reminds us that Jesus is our Lord, that Jesus is the one we rely on, that Jesus is our solid rock. A reading from the letter to the Colossians, Colossians 1, 9 to 20 and 2, 6 to 7. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the powers of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. If you want to turn to number 580 in your hymnals, after my little talk, we'll be singing that. Actually, this assignment took some thought, as at my age of life, I've known a lot of wonderful hymns and, and songs. As a child with seven older sibs, we sang daily with family devotions <clears throat> before breakfast and after milking. We usually sang, I owe the Lord a morning song, or Savior, hear us, we pray. As a teenager, during the Youth for Christ meetings in my high school auditorium, I loved harmonizing in choruses such as How Great Thou Art and When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. 
my life flows on is a, a loving uh, presence was written in 1869 by Robert Lowry, a Baptist minister. Born in Philadelphia, so he was practically our neighbor, in 1826, and educated at Bucknell University in Lewisburg. He wrote many hymns and also tunes for Fanny Crosby's All the Way My Savior Leads Me and for Isaac Watts adding a chorus and a tune to convert Come We That Love the Lord into We're Marching to Zion. I never realized that connection, those two. Later in life, after teaching in Brooklyn, he returned to his alma mater, Bucknell, where he received the doctorate and served as a professor of literature. He died in 1899 in Plainfield, New Jersey, where he worked with the Park Avenue Baptist Church. However, I did not become aware of this hymn until it appeared in the Blue Worship Book in 92, 1992. <laughs> <laughs> it was not in either the black or the red hymnals, but it instantly became one of my favorites. It speaks not only of the dark times, but also of the joy afforded to all of us through the love and peace of Christ. We have not been promised an absence of the dark times because we're Christian, but are promised God's support and loving presence during those times. In 1992, after our retirements, my husband Al and I returned to Brasilia, Brazil, where we had worked seven years in the 60s when we were first married. Uh, we were setting up ecumenical Christian bookstores under the auspices of the Elkhart Mennonite Missions. We were uh, self-supporting at that time, this second time, church workers, teaching English, and working with the five Mennonite churches in the area. Al taught a course in the Gospel of Matthew written by an Episcopalian. Students who completed the course and passed the test at the end received college credit. We always celebrated the course and passing the test at the end um, since the test was administered in our home, we had pumpkin pie, which was a novelty to the Brazilians. In uh, Christmas of 93, we had a wonderful visit from our four children plus two in-laws. We didn't have any grands yet. We traveled by bus south to Iguazu Falls and back. What fun we had and what great memories I have. Al died in August 94 because of home invaders while I was in Colorado welcoming our first grandbaby. He had planned to join me in two weeks. I was the recipient of the warm embrace of my church community of First Mennonite in Denver, as well as Brazilian friends family and neighbors. Not once did I feel neglected 
by God. Okay, let's sing 580 in the Blue Worship Book, My Life Flows On. I would choose a hymn that doesn't have a time signature, so... Christ There's No Easter West is said to have been originally an Irish tune brought to the early United States by Irish immigrants and soon adapted by African Americans, although us Mennonites can find a four-part harmony version in our blue hymnal. Uh, the version I played was by Mavis Staples, gospel singer and civil rights activist, who composed her own version of the song at the age of 71 while reflecting on her involvement in the civil rights movement. I think it's an awesome expression of allegiance to God over any other power. The song's message is simple but powerful. In Christ, surely we're all a part of one big family. And in other words, if we drop all the commitments and allegiances to political and social institutions that often seem so uh, crucial to our identity and important to us, we're really not all that different. Um, now, clearly, we do live in a world where there is black and white, east and west, and racism, bigotry, and inequality are pretty ingrained into American society in ways that are very difficult to ignore. Thankfully, we believe that in Christ there is a solution. I think this song is a call to action to shift our allegiance towards Christ so that we can focus on fighting inequality and sharing the one great love that hatred cannot divide. At this time of year, <clears throat> Americans are compelled to make conspicuous displays of allegiance to the state. Where I live in Linnet, this is the week when our house looks especially drab without its stars and stripes bunting. Um, and patriotism is all well and good, and I'm, I'm as heartbroken as my neighbors that the, 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 our beloved fireworks may actually be put on hold or moved somewhere else in coming years. But patriotism has a way of gobbling up dissent and repackaging it as jingoism. My favorite or least favorite example of that is the song Fortunate Son by CCR. I remember standing slack-jawed in shock at seeing the Wrangler commercial featuring this song in 2002. John Fogarty's awesome sandpaper voice belted out the first few words of the song to images of men in Wrangler jeans, an American flag snapping in the wind. Some folks were born to made to wave the flag. Ooh, they're red, white, and blue. Problem is, they faded out the lyrics before the next line. And when the band plays Hail to the Chief, ooh, they point the cannon at you, Lord. It is really an awesome song about dissent and populism, and the Wrangler Company certainly did not care that they used it for its exact opposite meaning, patriotism in the service of selling blue jeans. John Fogarty was irate, reportedly, when he saw the commercial, but he had already sold his rights to the song. A cutting Vietnam protest song was turned into a patriotic jeans commercial, and there was nothing he could do. To paraphrase Thoreau, I feel spiritually called to be a man first and an American only at a late and convenient hour. This song, that's a quote, that's almost a quote, <laughs> by the way. The, the song Fortunate One by CCR is a song that uniquely demonstrates my loyalty to higher powers in this time of year, and our patriotic duty to exercise the American critical stance. It's about the rich and powerful hoarding wealth and power while the poor do the work and fight the wars. 
However, I couldn't find a four-part version of Fortunate Son. So, I saw Titus getting nervous. They're like, what is this? So, so I chose When Israel Was in Egypt's Land. It's about the solidarity of the people against a tyrannical ruler. I like songs that take up the struggle of working people and proclaim an allegiance with a downtrodden instead of the state. I think it's mixed quartet time. I'm not a quartet. (laughs) We're going to be singing a song that's not in any of our uh, songbooks. It's called A Song of Peace or A Hymn of Peace. It was written between World War I and World War II. And uh, the poet Lloyd Stone uh, was not a very well-known poet, but this song has uh, become a much-loved hymn in many places. He wrote the, the, several of the verses, and then um, a theologian, Methodist woman by name of Georgia Harkness, wrote the third verse, which has a more specific Christian uh, feel to the text. Can you dearly love your country and still also express love, respect, and wish for well-being for other people in other lands? This song gives a resounding yes. This a song of peace. God reigns over all creation. The scriptures that we heard this morning affirm that, referring to God as king and head of the church. The hymn I have chosen, Be Thou My Vision, affirms this as well, calling God High King of Heaven and Ruler of All. But the writer of this hymn also juxtaposes this naming of God as ruler of all creation with naming of God over the writer's innermost being. O Lord of my heart, the writer addresses God, as well as High King of Heaven. This contrast is also in the line, still be my vision, O ruler of all. These two images together strike me as unusual. Usually when I think of a powerful person, someone with authority over a lot of people, they seem distant and removed. It is impossible for the leader of a country to know every person in their country personally. But that's not the case with God. As the passage in Colossians said, God has reconciled himself to all things through Christ. Our allegiance is to a God that reigns over all of creation, but also to a God that knows each of us individually and that inspires the words of this hymn, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of My Heart. We can have so much confidence in a ruler that we know cares for us personally as well as for every being of creation. That depth and breadth of power is amazing. It is no wonder that the heavens are glad, the earth rejoices, and the trees of the forest sing for joy to the king of all creation and the king of our hearts. <laughs> 